Hello everybody, welcome to the Andigan Podcast. I am your host, Omer, a football writer and analyst, and I'm joined by my co-host, as always, H, a football content creator who focuses on the tactical part of the beautiful game. In today's podcast, we talk about Newcastle, we talk about Eddie Howe and his successes so far, we talk about how Hassan Hutel managed to get the better of Arsenal in the second half, um, and how they deserve that 1-1 draw. We touch upon where the sport is going in general so future trends how can teams uh, win in a sport that is converging and where margins are becoming finer and finer each season we talk about also the need for well i talk about the need for these giant uh, link up center forwards i want six foot eight six foot nine olivier Giroud's playing uh, and a player who might fit that mold or a player or two that might fit that mold and then we end on talking about manchester united bruno fernandez uh, the improving in passing of David De Gea and uh, our dream back force in 2022. Newcastle and Eddie Howe's Newcastle are on the ascendancy at the moment and the seeds were planted last season. Um, <laughs> I did tweet last season, I think when Jose Mourinho's Roma were doing well that Eddie Howe uh, is a better manager than Jose Mourinho in 2022 uh, to enough scrutiny where I deleted the tweet um, and I wish I hadn't at this point but Eddie Howe is uh, an excellent manager and he's a manager who's done it for a while now when you do sort of go through um, his spending it's not massively out of the ordinary especially when you look at what the likes of Aston Villa are spending uh, that Manchester United have spent, that who else? That Everton have spent. Like teams are spending big, um, but it wasn't until Eddie Howe came in um, that Newcastle started performing as they are doing at yeah. the moment. How do you, uh, how how do you see this Newcastle outfit, H? Because because they're really impressive to me. I think I've not seen I've not seen a change in team in terms of like pressing structure, defensive structure, like. I've not seen that sort of change affect a team in a while. Um, yeah. I think I tweeted it the other day. It was just like, Newcastle are really good to watch. And I think like, in possession, they're obviously like, they're good enough. But the night and day between what Steve Bruce was trying to do and what Eddie Howe was trying to do, I think they're, they're so aggressive. They're so high up. Um, and I think I, I mentioned this on Twitter as well. It's like their defensive record is ridiculously good, but they're not defending like in a low block, in a like a five four one. Like they're defending from the front, they're getting the centre ass on the halfway line, pushing teams backwards, pressing them high. Um, and I think even Martin Dubravka is obviously at United now. I think he said last season um, that they're doing twice as much that they used to do under Steve Bruce under Hedy Howe, and the training sessions are ridiculously long and. They're taking in so much information and they're working so hard. And I think I've not seen a change in a team so quickly. The way they play, the way they play compared to the way they played under Steve Bruce is not even comparable. Uh, comparable, it's like it's so bad. Um, like <laughs> Steve Bruce used to be like five four, like five four one, or now was it? It was really cowardly, yeah. Yeah, five four one or a five three two. I think he even said like there was no way that this Newcastle team could play any other sh- uh, like um, like style of football because of the quality of the players. And whilst... Which I is just a, a horrendous that, thing. Yeah, whilst I do agree with it, for like a certain extent, Eddie Howe's doing it with players like Jacob Murphy, Sean Longstaff, 
you know, players who were there, Callum Wilson, Almiron, St. Maximin, like, yeah. they, that was the team that played against, um, like, Spurs. Um, and it's like, yes, they've brought in Bruno Gimaraes, uh, Damber, Nick Pope, Sven Botman, great signings, obviously, but um, I agree with you. People are spending big. I don't think this massacre spending from Newcastle is, like, groundbreaking. They've just spent really well, and it's credit to them because one of their biggest signings of the summer isn't even playing at the moment and they're playing the best football I've ever <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I will say though, the fact that they could attract um, Bruno Gomarius, like, that that does shift them over the edge into like, the performances that we're seeing now because oh, he's definitely. absolutely he's brilliant. ridiculous. Brilliant player. Um, yeah, I think he's like, obviously people who know me know that Elkai Gundogan's, he might, he might be my favourite midfielder on the planet. I think, the player closest to Gundogan that isn't Gundogan um, and like who I really want as my Gundogan replacement now is uh, Bruno G and yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I think he's committed to, to Newcastle at the moment. I, I think, think if anyone's going to prime away, I think he absolutely yeah, he definitely loves does. it. Um, um, but I think Real Madrid or, or City could possibly prime away. Um, I hope I hope so anyway. Um, yeah, definitely. But I'm just looking, I'm just looking at Newcastle's team um, from the weekend. And it's, yeah, you're right. It's really like a half and half team from like. Yeah, it's not too bad. Um, obviously, they've got like, I think, Kieran Trippier, Dan Byrne, Sven Botman, but they've got Fabian Schaar in there, Sean Longstaff, Joe Linton, um, Callum Wilson, Armourant. I actually really like this team. One of my big things is like profiling players correctly. And, yeah, um, that's what this team does. Yeah, it, it really does. I think Dan Byrne plays inverted. Yeah. Um. And that really gets the best out of his qualities, um. As someone who's relatively comfortable on the ball, but also like he's a giant. Um, yeah. And he suits those areas rather than sort of bombing on forward all the time as this um sort of wide left player. Yeah. Trippier as a proper width holder on that side. Almiron, I think at the beginning of the season I said that Almiron um he was due like a output explosion because um. In preseason, he scored like I think he scored the most goals out of any Premier League player in preseason, um, and I noticed yeah. during that time that his um, his strengths come when he gets the ball face up in like the right inside zones, almost like in the same zones that Salah uh, is best at. Yeah. Uh, and you see all of Almiron's goals, and they're almost all uh, this season have almost all come from that area now. So I think um, I think Eddie Howe's really good at. And and obviously with Joe Linton sort of moving into midfield areas as well. So I think Eddie Howe is really, really good in the sense that he looks at the players' qualities and strengths and he's been able to put them into a team and put all of the pieces of the jigsaw together in a way that really like utilises all of their strengths. So I think a lot of these players would have been written off prior to Eddie Howe or if Eddie Howe hadn't come in. Um, yeah. So I'm just really impressed by all of that, you know. I think I think they're getting underrated in possession. I think what you were saying, like I think when I watched them against Spurs and even against us, they off the off the ball. I think statistically they are the best team in the Premier League. I think they've got the most uh, PPDA, um, high turnovers, stuff like that. I think they they rank one or two with Leeds for that. But possessionally, they are still brilliant. Um, like they use, like you yeah. just said, Dan Byrne tucks in. He's a comfortable left-footed passer. Um, and then Kieran Trippier's pushed on a little bit further. And he's almost there. Uh, he doesn't cross from the same 
zones. I mean, you could say he does. He's like there trying to Alexander Arnold. He crosses from them deeper right zones, and um, yeah, they actually have a a set piece routine that is um, just literally pulling it short and then giving it back to Kieran Trippier, who is just beneath the right, just beneath the top left of the box. If you're in, if you're in the net, and he crosses from that zone. I think he got a an assist against Brentford from that area. And when I watch yeah. Newcastle, everything about their play is trying to get into that zone um, or trying to build and put the ball in like wider areas because they just love, they know if they over hit a ball or they under hit a ball and it's turned over, they just run at it and they, they'll eventually win it back in turnover, even if it's forced long. I think that's a, that's a really good point in the fact that like, so when you're playing high possession football, a lot of teams should or, or have to focus on where they lose the ball so I think yep. if you're playing passes centrally a lot of the time and you lose it it's harder to stop the transition because obviously um, the ball gets headed away from the centre of the box and the opposition midfielder or players are closer to it your centre box are further away I think when you lose it sort of in the flanks it's less dangerous yeah um, well we talked about it with the in-swinger last I think maybe last podcast or the podcast before but the way Pep Guardiola favours um, the in-swinger from that right half space with KDB especially it's like if that cross yeah. is over here because obviously Man City love a late a late run into the box back post run third man runs um, if that crosses, yeah. If that crosses over here, they press so well in them wide spaces, and it's so much easier to win the ball if it drops in that wide channel rather than dropping the six-yard box for the keeper or the centre half to, you know, get older. It's like half of the pitch is cut off by the touchline. Yeah. So you're yeah. trying to trap the opposition in basically, and City do that really well. Yeah, I think Jurgen Klopp did. Jurgen Klopp when he was at his pinnacle of pressing. With the Liverpool team, they loved the um, the force the ball into the widest area, and then when I was researching about it, it made just so much sense because it just gives the player 180 degrees or even 90 degrees just to focus on, and he literally has to pick a pass out in that angle. And if he can't pick if he can't pick a pass out in that angle, then he's really because he's got to go long down the channel. I think there was a team. It might have been Arsenal. There was a team against Liverpool that recently did basically the exact same thing against Arsenal. Yeah. Uh, against Liverpool um, but they basically waited for Simicast to get the ball and every time Simicast got the ball obviously um, left foot player take a touch out on, onto his left side as a left sided player himself and then they'll trigger the press uh, and I think it was Arsenal I can't remember exactly what yeah. I think Gabriel Jesus stood on the left uh, left centre back and then literally waited for the goalkeeper to put it to the left back and then ran over um, yeah. yeah and then they were just Arsenal. pouncing and it, it caused so many turnovers on that side and uh, yeah, I think that's like a really good example of it in in more well, recently that that people can go back and watch. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I th- I, th- I think you're right. Um. They're just, they're just a really balanced outfit, and and it's not a thing of just this season. I think all the way going through back to last season, uh, I I did see a table of like accumulated points throughout of the entire calendar year, and I think they're sitting in the top four somewhere. Um. So it's not like it's just been a fluke last sort of two three week thing. Yeah, I, I think I think the transition's been quite smooth as well. And I really like Eddie Howe's um, um, Bournemouth teams. Admittedly, I don't know loads about them. And, and uh, when he had his sabbatical, um, he sort of went away, reflected, and, and really like focused on learning and, and developing his managerial game. I think he's really like self-aware, and um, he he doesn't rest on his laurels. I think it's really good to see from an English coach, especially because um, 
I don't know, you see sort of this ingenuity yeah. usually from coaches from other countries coming into England. So like Eddie Howe's a really, really impressive one for me. Yeah. I like how he's turned it. I just, I think it's so brave to go into a job that, that well, you demanded so much because the the headlines are just like how much money you're receiving every single transfer window, how many players he's buying, blah, blah, blah. But to go into that yeah. team and just say, I'm not going to just play pragmatic football and soak in pressure and try and hit players on the earth, try and hit teams on the break with players like Armoron, Callum Wilson, St. Max, Isaac. Like he's turned around and gone, no, I'm going to start pressing from the front. I'm going to get my lines high. I'm going to be super aggressive against the likes of Manchester City, Tottenham, United, even Liverpool. Like they are. I think Trippier so as an early signing was, was such a, like, was a masterclass basically. Yeah, he was like the the dust settler of like Newcastle. I think when yeah. he come in, I think people kind of looked at him and went, "That's the type of player they're going for." Okay, like that that top four. I, honestly, I didn't player. expect it. No, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Well, because at, at that time, Trippier was at uh, Atletico, and I don't know. I think people in England and English football fans sort of saw him leave the Premier League and go to a different club and I don't know almost in a conceited way see it as a step down yeah Um, but then seeing him come to come to Newcastle like in retrospect like I realised it was like a, basically a masterclass uh, and the fact that the amount of points that, that someone who can hit set pieces that well on someone who can like cross that wall yeah. shifts I think it's massive I think um we saw it last season like he'd score like important sort of free kicks or, or... he scored a free kick when he debut didn't he yeah, and it's just yeah. like a proper shift of man. momentum, and I I tweeted something actually um, last night. I, I said something. Wait, I'm actually gonna pull up the actual thing because I wrote it better than I could say it off the cuff. But I said, <laughs> yeah, no man, it's like scripted. I said, okay, so I said tactics are not dying. The macro landscape of football is narrowing. Many top teams share many of the same principles, but the same thing happened in basketball. Now, the areas in which the game can be won or lost are more precise. Yeah. There's finer margins everywhere that have to be utilised. And I think Kieran Trippier is like a really nice example of that. Yeah. Um, Because Newcastle don't play in a way that's like massively different from sort of like the 3-2-5 or the 2-3-5s yeah. that we've seen like from over like top six teams. But like having someone like, I don't know, like Willow or Joe Linton making that late run. Yeah. Uh, having someone like, yeah, or, or having someone like Trippier with that moment of brilliance, that magic off of his ball striking. Um, they're like the fine margins that you're going to win games from rather than just your shape or just your... I think structurally, like, tactics are getting faded out. I agree with that because I think everyone sort of has a similar structure. You know, everyone either... You know, I think Manchester United sit in a 4-5-1. I couldn't tell you how many teams sit in a 4-5-1. It's practically everyone. And Newcastle yeah. sit in a 4-5-1, for example, um, when, when they defended. Um, and it's like that that overall structure, like the, the the attacking shape. So it goes from like a you set up on paper in a 4-3-3, that transitions into a 2 or a 3-2-5 or whatever. Um, and then yeah. in, in your defensive shape, it's just bring your wingers back, 4-5-1. And then you look at that and that's quite basic, but that's so advanced usually for the tactics. It's just like evolving. And now it's all about picking the right profiles in them certain spaces that you want. Yeah, I just think like shape and structure and all those things matter a lot. Uh, and they're not really being phased out. They still they still matter, but it's just like 
you have to pay so much attention to like really small things now. Yeah. Uh, to basically win games uh, ahead of somebody who's, well, especially ahead of teams that are like with, with players better than yours. Um, I think that that brings us a little bit onto me wanting to talk about Arsenal versus Southampton, mm-hmm. uh, because well, I think Arsenal are an incredible team, and we've reiterated that point loads of times. Yeah. Uh, but I think what Southampton did really well was, I mean, like after the goal, I think before the goal, they they sh- uh, set up in a shape that wasn't great and Arsenal could pass it around them and basically it might have been a four four two that they set up in but like they had their two strikers yeah. either side of Thomas Party uh, and none of them pressing on the centre back so they could just Arsenal could pro- progress through the first phase like with so much ease it was just it was kind of pathetic uh, yeah. and then when they when, when they switched uh, after the goal it, it was far better I think they moved to like a five four one, um, blocked the middle of the pitch and then they really uh were able to build upon that but they had a lot of tactics and and, and Hassan Hüttel made loads of tweaks in game that were like really specific like fine margin things that for me shifted like the balance of the game yeah Um, well first of all they were hyper aggressive on Arsenal and I think like with someone like Gabriel Jesus I mentioned like sort of two three weeks ago but you could see it in his game that he was getting frustrated and he wasn't able to play uh, at his best and then we saw like uh, Aribo, the number seven, who who was playing his strike in the second half, he got told to, I assume he got told to um, stand on Thomas Party, and they couldn't progress the ball centrally. They they just played like in in one to one moments with a lot of like the right decisions, and that shifted the game. I think football's moving towards a a thing where it's like the individual one v ones matter a lot more now because the general structure, like like we generally know the solutions to big structures. I think. That carries on like across European football at the moment, like Carlo Ancelotti, Luciano Spalletta, like these type of managers yeah. are all about individualism and you know certain decision making, certain uh, traits, attributes in certain players. Um, now I agree with that. I also think I wanted to put this question towards you because it was obviously a lot of Arsenal fans at the end of the game who maybe criticised Gabriel Jesus for his lack of um, output. But I'm. Yeah. I've got something. I've got. So I'm not sure if or not it's controversial. I don't. I think it's just a quite a factual opinion to be honest. But um, <laughs> it's. I think Gabriel Jesus is trying to do way too much. Um, I think that's always I, been his personality. Yeah, I think he's dropping far too deep in this Arsenal team. I think everyone knows that Gabriel Jesus is a really good like back to goal striker. He's really good taking the ball into feet. He's really strong on the ball. Uh, good at winning knockdowns, stuff like that. But I don't think I, apart from the chance that he missed, ironically, I don't think I actually seen him on the last line enough. Um, I just, I don't know. I feel like Arsenal, you've got you've got two insanely direct wingers in Bakayo Saka and Gabriel Martinella, who are going to run yeah. both inside and outside. You've just got to be pushing that line back for me. Like he has to be running like. I want to see Gabriel Jesus making Marcus Rashford type runs. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. blitz, like blitzing between defenders, between fullback. You know, I, that's what I kind of think he's missing. I I agree with some of what you're saying. I think many years ago I said something like Gabriel Jesus and Marcus Rashford are similar in that they both thrive coming in off the left wing. And obviously we've seen Gabriel Jesus like basically blossom into this complete like all round sort of player who drops deep and he moves left flank, right flank, down the middle. Yeah. Um I think 
with teams packing the middle of the pitch, uh, it makes sense why Gabriel Jesus would drop so deep and, and try and basically become an extra man there. Because especially if teams put a guy on Thomas Party, there's like no central progression unless one of the eights move, unless one of the fullbacks invert, uh, which is probably the best solution when, when Sinchenko's back. Or the other solution, obviously, is Gabriel Jesus dropping deep. Um, and that's generally like being a part of his game. I think once he sort of passes the ball off and then he turns around, he can he can go into the final third and, and arrive. But I agree in that, like, he's very much a player who, I don't know, he almost plays in the midfield zone. For me, I've always thought his main strengths are like inside left in that zone there, uh, because obviously he can combine with players. He's really, he has a really nice shot coming in off the left, I think, sort of yeah. down the middle especially in like 1v1 situations or in clearer situations. Um, he's susceptible to like maybe overthinking the shot. And then if he does miss that shot, uh, it can like play on his mind. I think he's like a emotionally driven player. Um, and that also plays into the fact that if like a centre-back's really aggressive on him or like uh, Calcetta Carr was yeah. this weekend, it can really like, I don't know, it can kind of derail his game. And obviously he's one of the vice-captains of the team. That probably yeah. bleeds through the team a little bit as well. Yeah, I think he's brilliant. Don't get me wrong. Like I think when when Arsenal signed him, I still think he's going to be an exceptional player. Obviously, um, and he is an exceptional yeah. player anyway. Um, but I I don't know. I just there's something. I think I was just when I'm watching these strikers around Europe at the moment. Um, Victor Osimhen comes to mind, especially. It's like these explosive, direct powerhouse runs in behind, like go and grab a goal, ball striking, like proper just ruthless centre-forward play. I think maybe, yeah. maybe that's... Is that the nine that, that you prefer? Yeah, I think so. I, I don't, don't get me wrong, I think I love... I just... I don't know what it is, man. I don't know what it is. There's just strikers that can just... It's do like proper, it's stuff. like a throwback. Yeah, just the strikers who can do the simple yeah. stuff with a back to goal, but then when they're in that penalty area, they are, they are just ruthless. Uh, both feet, head, um, I just yeah. think like I just like them centre forwards. I don't get me wrong. I love these. I love this. Like it's not modern centre forward because the modern centre forward is what I'm describing. To be fair, but um, yeah. like like for example, I would prefer uh, they're not they're not comparable at all. But um, I prefer like an Erling Haaland, someone who can just he just one touch give and go, and then the rest of his game is in behind ruthlessness, heading both feet. Yeah. Like that, and that's the kind of thing that I prefer. But it all, it all depends on the system, obviously, and the structure. Um, you know, I just my like favorite, my favorite kind of striker is. Go on. My favorite kind of striker is like, Giroud or. Wait, I, I honestly like in terms of profile, Giroud's Giroud's my favorite profile of striker. A bit more of it, so like a techie big man. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, and and with Giroud. He's not just like a, a target man, really. He's he attacks the box excellently. Like he yeah. makes these really aggressive near post runs. He can head it. Like I honestly I think if like Giroud was coming through now, he'd honestly he'd be like the perfect striker for like yeah. City, to Arsenal, fair, them kind not, of teams. It's not a million miles away from what I'm describing. I think it's just maybe the explosiveness bit. But to be honest, I'm I'm a lover for Gianluca Scamacca and he is not explosive. He's, he's yeah. quite big for it. He's quite uh, fast for a big man, but He's kind of like Giroud. He's a bit. He's got a bit of flair to his game. Yeah, I really. I just want there to be like a, a big man, centre forward who's also able to like link play. Yeah. Um, 
And I think Giroud is relatively like probably the closest player to that. I think if uh, Zlatan was coming through I now, he has the qualities Zlatan. for that. Yeah. Yeah. So I tweeted uh, 12 hours ago. What is that? That's um, at midnight last night. Um, I tweeted. So af- after I tweeted my um, sort of like the, the landscape of tactics are narrowing and that we need to exploit the fine margins. Yeah. I just I had this weird thought, but I said I really want a team to be built around like a giant hold up centre forward. Uh, so someone who specialises in link play, flicks, is comfortable dropping deep, uh, comfortable back to play. Yeah. Um, and I said, think Giroud or Martial, but six foot eight, six foot nine, like gigantic. Gigantic. Um, uh, yeah, and you have to let me land again. This is another let me land moment. But with this giant guy, um, I was just saying like in youth football, they'd be put into centre-back or they'd be a sort of Peter Crouch player. Yeah. But I really want one who can play like with their feet, almost like, you know how City centre forwards have like dropped deep and link play, like a player like that, but who's a giant, um, and like, oh, Isaac, yeah, maybe, but I, I want even taller than Isaac, and Isaac's like, he's like, Isaac kind of like thrives running behind as yeah, well. True. I, I want a guy who like plays butter to go, who really likes like. There's got to be someone knocking about. There is, there is. So here, here's what I, here's what I want to tell oh, you. I want to tell you about this guy called Kyle Hudlin. Wait, I'm going to send you a clip. I'm going to send you a clip and we'll just react to it. Um, because he is insane. I was watching him yesterday and I fell in love. This was basically the guy I was describing. He plays for Sully uh, Hill Malls. Uh, he, no, actually, he now plays for Wimbledon after oh, securing a big transfer to Huddersfield. So I think he's on loan. Um, oh but my this was a clip. God, that first goal. Yeah, this is what I'm saying. He's a freak. Um, this is basically the play that I was describing uh, and I didn't think he'd exist but he's genuinely insane. I want to. I want to know how you got how you got to finding this guy. Someone just tweeted uh, in reply to what I was describing. It's like probably one of the main benefits of Rappies. sort of having like a reader base. But like, I would have never found out about this guy myself. But like I said, I just want like a six foot eight guy who's actually techie and what was the guy <coughs> plays football rather than played for Midget uh, Midgetland. I have no idea. Oh, we played against Was he a giant as well? Yeah, he was Nigerian. We played against him in the Europa League and he was huge. He's like six foot eight. Oh, uh, so I think someone might have replied that to me as well, actually. Let me um have a look. But yeah, like this giant guy, um, I was reading the article as well. He basically said he'd watched the likes of Ronaldinho, Robinho, Neymar, Messi and Ronaldo when he was wow. growing up. But obviously he's a giant, so like that's fair, why he gets faced. He's, he's got ridiculously fast feet. Yeah, it's insane. And then um, he said when he... So I, it took him until he was 17, uh, until like a team trusted him as a striker because when he was coming through, they just got they just played him at centre-back because he was tall in it. Um, and then after that, he started like watching the likes of Giroud, Crouch and Tammy Abraham. But like, I really like that he watched Giroud a lot as well because that's exactly like the player I want. I want like a giant Olivier Giroud and this guy is six foot nine. He's actually like an eyesore on the pitch. <laughs> Yo, the fact is, like, imagine if you're coming up against a team that has a six foot nine. Someone's quick got a feet. Well, Huddersfield took a shot on him, haven't they? Yeah, I really want like a Premier League team. I think he'd like a profile like that is so unique. Do you know um, Victor Wenbanyama? I don't know if you watch basketball, oh, but there's this yeah. seven foot three. Yeah. Like he's like a ball handler. Yeah, he he, he looks nothing like what a, a seven foot three player should look like. Yeah, 
in a similar vein, like obviously he's sort of more talented and and, and sort of more I don't know generational. But in terms of profile and uniqueness of profile, this Kyle Hudlin fella, like he's in that bracket of just being so utterly bizarre that like I would need a player like this on my team. Wasn't there a guy oh there was a guy who played in Germany God, oh my this is gonna do my head in. Jan Collar? <laughs> yeah, that's ill. All these guys that you're mentioning, I didn't know you had such a vast knowledge of giant fellas because uh, <laughs> everyone in the replies are basically like mentioning all these guys that you've mentioned but yeah uh, Jan Collar's uh, Jan Collar was one who two... was techy but he was he had a little bit more like, like he scored vo- he scored like really good volleys and stuff there's like this one volley that I remember I can't remember who it was for <laughs> but he like chests it and then he absolutely stinks it in the top left corner Um, but he scored like a lot more headers yeah, when I was watching clips, I was watching clips of all these guys that people were mentioning. Uh, Jan Collar was more like a, like more like a nine yeah. than than what I was describing. More of a nine than a nine point five. Yeah, um, but imagine a giant nine point five. Like oh, that's honestly. Oh, you. Oh, he had to get an ACL, Sasha. Oh. Why did he have yeah. to get an ACL? He was the man. To be fair, he was like when he went to Wolves. I was like, that's Wolves staying up, and then he got injured. Yeah. I was like, oh no. Yeah, I hate when stuff like that happens because there's so much... Well, I think that's another point about these, like, freak profiles. I think if you're that tall... Um, yeah, it's very easy to get injured. Obviously, you come with more inju- injuries, especially in, like, a game as taxing as, as football. Um, but I, I would take the risk on a player like this. I think I'm actually going to follow this guy's... Cri- you know what we should do? We should try and get this... Just say the best We should try and get Cal Hudlin on the pod, bro. Oh, my God. Get him on the pod? That'd be... That would be so that sick. That would actually man. be sick. Um... Because, yeah, basically, uh, I'm going to start watching um, I'm going to start watching Wimbledon games from now on. Yeah, and then there'll be loads of players like that, you know, like getting about in um, like non-league or like league. In the lower league, yeah. yeah I think out of all of the things within football that, obviously there's many different like parts of football, but I think my, the, the bit that I'm best at is probably like scouting and profiling players. Yeah. Um, and I think like looking down, like lowering the divisions, it would be a fun thing to to do really um, I'm not going to lie this podcast it, it was supposed to be like let's talk about the weekend in, in the Premier League <laughs> I don't know how it's got onto just talking about Giants in football I mean what, um, what have we got left I prefer that to be fair I, yeah. wrote, I wrote down we could talk about Almiron but I think we, we touched upon that a little bit uh, yeah and I put a little bit about uh, mentioning Bruno at the end if you want to do that I think I think oh, we should yeah. do that actually okay yeah. um, because I don't know I, I thought throughout the season I mean, we could just touch, touch on United in general, actually, because, yeah. like Newcastle, uh, they are in the ascendancy. Ten Hag, I'm a, I absolutely love Ten Hag, man. But basically, I, I think he's getting a, a, a tune out of, I think, everyone, basically. I, I don't think there's a single player on the team that's underperforming. I think even with someone like David De Gea, who's obviously not a player who, I don't know, fits the it's, mold of yeah. a heavy possession side, he's... I don't know, he's developing at one or two passes in his locker. He still makes I don't know, he still makes mistakes and kicks it out of play, but yeah. He definitely was more proficient on the ball and more confident than I think he's ever done uh, previously throughout his career. Yeah, this is this is the most comfortable I've seen David De Gea. Um I think I don't, it's so strange because especially against um Everton and Tottenham, 
Um, there was like a few passes that were were like an experienced ball player would have played them. They weren't yeah. consistent. There was only like one or two in the ninety, but I just, I just wonder. I just wonder. I, I've never quite understood this, but you know, he's a Spanish goalkeeper. Um, <laughs> like you've, he's not developed really. Like he's entire. There's not really much he's improved. Like when he comes to Manchester United, he was he was very frail in his net, and um, yeah. he was a like hit and miss shot stopper. But he's still quite frail when it comes to claiming crosses and uh, being physical, commanding his area. He's still not good on the ball. I think well, he just sees his his style of of keeping yeah. as being like I have to stop the ball going the net. I'm gonna stay on my line. I'm gonna make yeah. the save. I think he's he's a bit I don't know a bit like probably a bit passive uh, in that sense, and and he has been yeah. throughout his whole career really. Yeah, I think when and then when I look at it, it's like even if Ole Gunnar Solskjaer or Ralph Ranić didn't want him to play, you know, or Jose Mourinho wanted him to play with his feet, even if he didn't. You would just do it to benefit your own individual performances because there are times yeah. where he genuinely looked like he was allergic to using his feet. Um, and his his shot stop has been good for a while. So oh I yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I I don't think there's much ceiling in that regard to improve on. I think it makes sense that you'd want to focus on. Yeah, like since Louis Van Gaal's first season, it's like what have why was you if he has been working on it? Then fair enough, but it like. There's no, there's been no sign of improvement for six years, yeah. In terms of your ball playing ability, and then next thing you know, a Dutch coach who comes in who wants to <laughs> play possessional based football, and I'm seeing him ping it around every, you know, other game. Albeit it's not perfect, it's even three times what we've seen usually. Like, yeah. I just don't understand why he never worked on it, even if the coach didn't require it or the manager didn't require it, just for your own individual gain. It, it might just be a case of like the coaches that Ten Hag has brought with him and Ten Hag himself have really like honed in yeah. on, a, on a specific way to, to like, like maybe it's credit to the coaches more than uh, De Gea not having done it in the past. Um, yeah. I think Ten Hag has basically had a history of, of um, getting the best out of his players, whether that be through coaching, whether that be through his like game setups, game models. Um, mm. But yeah, I think it's just an important thing to point out. I think like many people, I've been very critical of De Gea in the past and, I probably yeah. think that he's somebody that United should improve on uh, because sort of the keepers that he's competing against are incredible uh, on the ball. De- I mean, Edison yeah. literally, I'd say he won City the game uh, with the assist for, ball. for Haaland. Yeah. Even Bazzini against Arsenal was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, they were both incredible. Um, yeah, Bazzini had his pass where he basically broke like two lines of, of Arsenal's press yeah. from a pass that went along the floor. Like, it was ridiculous. In these fine margin games, you need somebody who can play a pass that will basically take a part of the team because that gives you basically an extra man. You're, you're playing, yeah. like, 11 against 10 outfielders. That was always the problem with United. Anyway, I think when when we've tried to play, when we tried to move into a bit more possessional-based style under Solskjaer, we had a pivot of Fred and McTominay who aren't, like, first-phase receivers of the ball. They're not controllers. They're not link players, like... That's yeah. not where their strengths come. And then we've got a goalkeeper who doesn't want to do that. And then you've just got a back four basically trying to build out of a press the, the entire time, just them. Um, yeah, and it just yeah, it just never really seemed feasible to to use David De Gea and then 
now you you look at it and he's he's just doing the basics. I wouldn't even say he's he's great. I'll just say he's not horrendous. Yeah, he's just he's just decent. Like yeah, he's just fine. Um, it's like we could we could improve on it, but it's a lot better than what he was giving us. So I can't really, you know, slate him because yeah, he's as, doing a, as a sort of a, a stopgap option, uh, like yeah, it's all right at the at the moment. Um, and and I would like to sort of touch upon um, sort of like how how Bruno fits into this puzzle now because I obviously I wrote my first major like um, written piece was like a, a player profile on Bruno Fernandez. So I basically, like, I think out of every player in the world, I know, like, everything about Bruno Fernandes more than anyone else. Yeah. Um, which is so bizarre, because I'm, I'm literally a City fan, and Bruno's like... <laughs> uh, but, like, Bruno, I, I've always really admired his ability to, like, control tempo, but not through his actions uh, on the ball, but more, like, his actions off the ball. Um, yeah. And it's such a weird concept, and I don't think I really see people mention it. Bruno's really impressive in the fact that if you're playing... Uh, and you see how much distance he covers in a game and his in- intensity and, and the way that he rallies the crowd. In a 75th minute or in the 88th minute, he's the player who's basically going to give your team the energy to keep fighting and keep winning the second balls, keep playing through the game. And I think that ability to maintain momentum and maintain intensity is what all the successful teams uh, over the last few years have done in the Premier League, at least. Um, and Elanga... Did you see that run from Alanga at the end of the game? Oh, after... yeah. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, after Chelsea yeah. Had, um, had scored, that really shifted momentum as well and, and gave United a belief and, and gave the fans a belief that, right, we're still in it. Let's not put our heads down. Yeah. Let's not give up in this moment. Um, this, is why, this is why Manchester United kind of love players like Ryan Giggs, David Beckham, Carlos Tevez, Wayne Rooney. You know, yeah. these, are, these are guys who, I mean... Tevez is a perfect like, example. Rudy yeah, Tevez, Tevez, yeah. Tevez is like, you know, South America. And it's the same reason why they love Cavani so much. Um, yeah. Just players who can shift the momentum just over, just over a turnover of possession. It doesn't even have to be your throw-in. You know, even if yeah. it just gets knocked out and it's still the opposition's ball, that that want to get the ball just lifts the entire mood. And I think Bruno... Yeah, or just sprinting to make a slide tackle or something. like. Yeah, yeah. I think that's one yeah. of the most underrated things about Bruno is... Every single time, thankfully, unfortunately, I have access to the running stats after the game, and it's every single time I go and look at it, it's Bruno Fernandez just tops the pile every single time with Christian yeah. Eriksen, and it's just like I've just, and he presses from the front as well. He commands the press. Uh, he's he's mostly at the top of the pressing shape. Even um, with his press, I think his his, his timing in the press is sometimes a bit weird. As in, like he'll just run like yeah, when his heart feels like running. Yeah. Um, rather than doing it in a timed way but I think like just generally like the ability to run back cover because he's remember Bruno's been like first of all he's a high captaincy option and second of all he's a player who was like basically the talisman um, when yeah. they finished second um, so like when you have these sort of higher profile players sometimes they're forgiven for like not wanting to uh, they're forgiven for not actually like putting in the the same amount of effort do you know what I mean like yeah. they can get away with it a little bit Um but so seeing someone like that, and for City we see it with De Bruyne, we see it with Gundogan, when these high-profile like captains play with, hardest. yeah, when they yeah. put in that effort, then the team it really like reflects throughout the entire team. Yeah, it's so true, and I think bearing in mind, you could you could make a lot of comments about Bruno on the ball, but off the ball, Bruno Fernandez is just like 
the the top of the pile. Um, and he's like, when he's the captain in most games, he is the standard, and everyone kind of rises to that standard, especially like off the ball when it comes to. I pressing. actually think he's the best cap. Like he's the best captaincy option at United, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I don't to be yeah. I don't think there's anyone else who I'd rather give it to, to be honest. Um, obviously, time will tell how the new players settle in. Little Lisandro, Lisandro yeah, captain would be crazy. That would actually be nuts, man. Yeah, that would I love it, crazy. Yeah, also, yeah, Lissandro Martinez is just absolutely excellent. Um, I'd have him, if I had to make like a dream back four right now, I'd have Lissandro yeah. on my team, left at the back, put it yeah. in. I think, I just never really, I had, I had me worries about him aerially and just like physically and when he gets pinned and stuff like that. Um, and don't get me wrong, he will have times in this Premier League season where he will struggle naturally. Yeah. Uh, whether or not he comes up against Tony, Mitrovic, whichever one. Um, it's just like, I just feel like he offers so much on the ball. Um, and we, we're playing, we're playing possession. He's great defensively as well, though, just as a pure defender. Oh, yeah. He's just really, yeah. I think he gets away he's with things. He gets away with being extra aggressive because he's little. Like yeah. It's like a psychological thing on the there referees. Was one, there was one moment he stood someone up. I can't remember if it was like Raheem Sterling or... Mason Mount or something, but he stood someone up and they just tried to like, do you know that thing where players like sh- Jack Jack Grealish does it all the time, just like shuffles the ball down the side and like just like carries it and just like hops to side to side as like he carries the ball. And yeah. Lissandro Martinez was squaring someone up and he was doing that and he didn't get a chance to even do it. He just ran into him and slid and the ball went out for a throw in. <laughs> and I was just like, he doesn't even need to do that. It was actually like it. incredibly rash, but it always works. It seems like. But you know, before we wrap up the podcast, I, I mentioned before Lisandro would be in my like dream back four if I was to make one yeah. right now. Let's just come up with our actual dream back four in twenty twenty two. Right now, yeah, any players. Um, mm, okay, and then we'll wrap up the podcast after that because I think okay. it's a nice little little challenge um, to end the pod. Can I do keeper? Uh, yeah, feel free. Um, right, I'll go with uh, Allison in that still. Yeah, freak. He's alien. Uh, I don't even know anymore. This is oh, this is hard. I um, have mine, so I'll put you on the spot here. Um, yeah, yeah. I've not even thought about it. See, I really want to put Lissandro Martinez in. Lissandro's in mine, and to be honest, yeah. it doesn't have to be the best. It just has to be like your dream. Like, uh, if yeah, you were yeah, sort of a coach, who would you love to have? Lissandro Martinez and Kim Min Jae back to. That's um, cold. That's actually so. That is so aggressive, you know. <laughs> My word. Yeah. Um, left back. To be fair, you've got Alisson behind them though, so. Oh, that's true, actually. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think now. Should I tell you who my centre-backs are? Go on. My centre-backs are... Uh, but but this guy's been a bit rubbish since I've... Since I tweeted <laughs> this. <laughs> Wait, I need to change my mind, man. Um, no, no, no. I like it, Kanji. It's been Saliba. Like, he, he's dropped I a couple of mistakes in the last couple of games. Yeah, um, I put in. <laughs> no, I can't put him in. So I've got, I've got Lisandro left centre back. Um, yeah. Oh, this has ruined everything. Oh, this podcast is going to be two hours long. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. John Stones was that right back for me. Oh, but my, like, oh really? Yeah. So, nice. so my team was weird because I had two like centre backs at like, fullback and two. I just had like back four full uh, centre backs. Um, I'll tell you what it was. It was Rudiger at left back, uh, Lisandro at left centre back, 
uh, Saliba at right centre back and John Stones at right back. My, that is, that is kind of crazy. That I, I don't even know for fullback. I don't I know, man. I don't lost, like all knowledge on fullbacks. <laughs> you know what? Here's oh, what I'll I'm do actually. I'll put Rudiger left. I'll put Rudiger left back. I'll put Lisandro left centre back. I'll put John Stones right centre back, and I'll put Reese James right back. Yeah, I was gonna put Reese James in it. He's just the best right back for me, I think. Yeah, I really like Frimpong, but he's just not even a right back anymore. Yeah, he's he looks. I mean, he used to be in the City's academy, I think. Yeah, um, he did. Yeah, but he's so swingy and, and uh, yeah, impressive going forward. I think yeah. I just in my, in a back four, I I really like one of them to like one of the four backs to be like a centre back just because yeah, it gives you a really yeah. nice a really nice like three at the back option oh I'm trying to think of players now and I just can't I really like Mal Augusto as well but I've not really much, watched him much this season I only watched him a lot last season um, are you oh yeah you still need, you're trying to think of your um, your full backs at this point I think of backs at all um I like I like one of the fullbacks being like a third centre back, like you said. Yeah. Um, ben White at right right back is a. Yeah, he's been there. great this season. He's been really good. Yeah. Not after that interview, he dropped at the weekend, but I didn't like that. I was yeah, I, I didn't like chill that. on the chill on the uh, journals, man. They're just doing their job. I know. Um, I get I get it though. Like obviously, it's uh, after a draw and it's a bit of a. He hates football, doesn't he? Because he I think like, he doesn't he watch loads of football. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't do anything outside of my job cause, like that's uh, that's football related. I can't. <laughs> I rate that to be honest. Guy, guy treats it as a nine to five. I'm gonna put Bastoni at left uh, left back. Oh, that's hard. So what's yours? Yeah. Bastoni, Lisandro. Yeah, Bastoni, Lisandro, Kimmin, J. Ben White, four centre backs. <laughs> that's really that's actually sick though. I that's rate actually it. not um, bad at all. <laughs> I'll take that. Yeah, we've we've moved away from from fullbacks, you know. Yeah. And again, podcast well. hate fullbacks. That's the that's the new wave. That's the clip. <laughs> um, I love I love a fullback, but they're just they're not even fullbacks anymore. They're even midfielders or wingers. Yeah, what's that? What's that? Um, Jamie Carragher quote: "No one grows up wanting to be a Gary Neville." No one grows up wanting to be a Gary Neville. That's true. <laughs> if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, give it a subscribe. Give it a rating. Um, and we'll catch you as always next week thanks for listening